Jesus is coming back. That's what one of our songs talked about this morning. And uh, I want to share a little bit about that today. I did a little bit of looking up uh, of scripture verses that dealt with Jesus' return. And I know that there's at least 50 passages in the New Testament that talk about the return of Christ. One of those books that really talk a lot about the return of Christ is found in in, uh, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. There's quite a few verses that do talk about Christ's return there. And today, we want to take a look at the first chapter of the first letter to the Thessalonians. And I'm going to start with a little bit of background about these people and who they are, and then uh, we will look into that chapter. If we want to go back to find out about the Thessalonians, we need to look in Acts chapter 16, 17. Uh, There we see that Paul and Silas and Timothy arrived in Thessalonica after leaving Philippi. Now, we can see it here. Uh, Here is Thessalonica. Here is Philippi. And uh, a lot of you will understand uh, what had happened at Philippi and why they had to leave. The team of Paul and Silas uh, were successful in Macedonia, and that's that northern, whole northern area uh, this, at the city of Philippi. But they met with real stiff opposition. One day, Paul and Silas were stripped and flogged and thrown in jail. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and uh, there was an earthquake. They were freed, but they didn't run away. They went to the prisoner, prison keeper's home, and there they shared the good news of Jesus. All of them believed and were baptized that night. But the next day, or they went into back that night, they went back to the prison, and the next day they were escorted out by the officials who had thrown them in there, and they were asked to leave town. So they moved on, and they went to the city of Philippi. Oh, sorry, they went to the city of Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, Paul preached at the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Jews had spread out across the then-known world, and uh, they were great merchant people. They uh, sold goods, and they uh, uh, set up a shop in many towns and cities around the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, they had, for their community, set up a community center. It's a little bit like the Portuguese club or the Lebanese club or those kind of places here in town. And uh, so they had, but they did more than that. They, uh, they worshipped there and they taught the children there. In the synagogue, 
Paul talked to them for three Sabbath days to prove that Jesus had suffered and died and that Jesus was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. However, there were some Jews that didn't believe that and they began very uh, to oppose Paul and his group and uh, they had to move away from the synagogue. And they developed a congregation composed of a few Jews, a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and quite a few prominent women. It's interesting to note the composition of this group of new believers in Thessalonica. First, there were Jews who understood that Jesus was the promised Messiah and that he had died for the sins of the world. They believed and wanted to understand more about Jesus' teachings. These were like people in the church today who grow up and really never understand about the redemption of Jesus until one day that light goes on and they commit their lives to Christ. Then there were a number of God-fearing Greeks. These were local citizens who had not completely converted over to becoming Jews, but they kind of believed in the God of the Old Testament. They still kept some of their other religious beliefs, and uh, some of them may have even worshipped idols. They might be compared to people who come to church to learn about the Bible, but they're not baptized or they don't join the church. Uh, church is interesting, but they don't give up their old sinful ways. A third group that Paul and Silas uh, had in their new congregation were a good number of prominent women. Now these would be rich women, women who were religious, and enjoyed socializing with the Jewish community. The Jewish community was normally a very wholesome community, and, and it was in contrast to you know, the debauchery that was out there in the world. And so these women wanted something that they felt comfortable with, and they went and fellowshiped, and they spent time with the Jewish community. These might be compared to people who enjoy clean fellowship, at churches, but they never really become believers themselves. All of these people were convinced that Jesus had died for their sins and wanted to learn more about the teachings of Jesus and what Jesus had done for them by dying on the cross for their sins. The Jewish synagogue leaders were jealous and a that a good number of people had actually left the synagogue. And they went around, they found a group of, of people in town, and, and they uh, stirred up a mob, demanding that Paul and Silas be expelled from the city. In order to keep the peace, the city leaders extracted promises and bonds from Jason, a prominent member of the new church that Paul and Silas would not return. The apostles were secreted away that night 
under cover of darkness. And under that darkness, Paul and Silas were again on the road. They went to a nearby town called Berea. So from Thessalonica, they moved on to Berea. There the people at that synagogue were very diligent in trying to discover the truth. Instead of weekly meetings that they had in Thessalonica, they met daily, it says, and learned about what the Old Testament said about Jesus and what he came to do. Many Jews, prominent women, and men became believers. The Jews who had stirred up trouble in Thessalonica heard about that heard that Paul and Silas had gone to Berea and that they were, you know, sharing their their faith there in Berea and that many people were attracted to that and they came to the town of Berea from Thessalonica and they stirred up a mob again and uh, <clears throat> forced Paul out to move on. It looks like Silas continued on there with Timothy, but Paul went on to Athens, which is down here. So he went down to the coast and took a boat, and he sailed down to Athens. And you can continue reading in Acts chapter 17 and 18 what Paul did in Athens. It's kind of a very interesting story of what happened there. But we'll leave that part of the story. And... Uh, and go on with the Thessalonians. Instead of being intimidated, the new church in Thessalonica grew. They got bold and began to share the transformation that had taken place in their hearts by following Jesus. They traveled around to the surrounding towns and villages and shared the great news about Jesus. Perhaps they, they did business in some of the surrounding communities, and so as they traveled, they found people who were interested in hearing on how they, these people, these other people could have peace and joy by following Jesus. Let's go to Thessalonians chapter 1. In verse 1, it says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God and Father, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace. We see that at the time the letter was written, the team was together again. The first letter to the Thessalonians was probably written near the um, end of... Uh, 50 AD from the town of Corinth, which is in the actually south of southeast of Athens. That's west of Athens, actually. So um, there we see that um, there was some questions and some encouragement that Paul wanted to give to the uh, Thessalonians, and so he wrote them a letter. And uh, he wrote another one shortly after that, a second one. Going on, um, we see in verse 2, we give thanks to God 
for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. How many times do you give thanks for all those at the church? There's a few times that I've actually taken our little photo directory and uh, gone through it praying for each of you by name. But I'm sure it's something that we could all do more of. As a body of believers, we are to pray for one another. And we are to give thanks. We are to intercede for others, but also be thankful for other believers whom we can get together with and share our faith. So there's three things that Paul was interested, uh, gave thanks for. First of all, the faith that expresses itself by helping others. Second, it was love that does things for others to show that love and help others because of the love that Christ has shown to us. That's what the term laboring in love or labor in love means. That it has two parts. One, it's laboring for others, but because of the love that God has shown, we do it out of gratitude. We do it out of love. We love others because love has been extended to us by God. And God values each person made in his image. God loves everyone. And we need to give that message, the message that God sent Jesus and that he died to forgive all people so that they could be cleansed and live forever in heaven. The agape love talked about in this verse is a pure and unconditional love given to others who are in need of a savior. The third thing that he gave thanks for was the persistence of hope that was focused in two areas. One, there was hope of our Lord Jesus Christ, and two, hope of the presence of our God and Father. So what are you thankful for this morning? If you think of people around you, what are you thankful about them for? I think too often we lack gratitude. We would rather grumble and complain than give thanks a lot of times, I think. So think about what you can be grateful for. Moving on to verse 4 and 5, we see that um, verse reads, Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So God loves everyone, and he sends his Holy Spirit to bring conviction on people. They can respond to, to that 
the sense that they need God by accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior and confessing their sins and receiving the substitutionary atonement of Jesus who died on the cross to give his life for each of us. Or they can reject that love and the holy God and go their own sinful way and choose to go to hell. Just this past week, the Jews again celebrated Yom Kippur. That's the Day of Atonement, a day uh, which is annual day of fasting and forgiveness. The Jews are encouraged to make amends and ask forgiveness for sins that they committed during the past year. Maybe they hurt somebody and they know that they don't have a good relationship. They're they're told that they need to forgive others so that they can purify themselves and be cleansed. Now, in the Old Testament, they got together in Jerusalem. It was one of the uh, feasts that they attended in Jerusalem, and they uh, were to offer sacrifices of a bull, of a ram, seven lambs, and a goat to celebrate together the forgiveness of their sins. But we no longer have to make sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament for the forgiveness of our sins because Jesus has come and become the final sacrifice for all of our sin. Verse 5 tells us that Paul saw that the Thessalonians not were, were not only convinced by the power of the word of God, but God's power came to them to understand and recognize the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The people of Thessalonica recognized the godly character of Paul's team. This understanding was so clear that the people uh, became imitators of Paul's team and they modeled the life of Christ. This included much persecution and tribulation for those who believed, as Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. But it also brought them much joy because they knew that they were freed from their past sins. They were so diligent in their new faith that they became an example to all the believers in the provinces of Macedonia and Achaia. The Thessalonians had such a deep relationship with Jesus that they wanted more and more of him. They became examples of what believers should look like to the whole northern part of Greece. We, have often, we ourselves often have a casual attitude toward our relationship with Jesus. What kind of report would there be about LEMC? or any other church for that matter? Do people recognize individuals from the church who are excited about their relationship with Jesus? How many people in the community uh, not just know about the church that is at the roundabout, but know what the church believes and the quality of the people who attend? 
Could it be said of the people, uh, could it be said that people in Essex or as far away as Windsor would have heard about the great work, the care and the compassion that goes on here at our church? The Thessalonians served a living and a true God. They had turned from their idols and dead religions. They now proclaimed joyously the freedom that they experienced by believing in Jesus. Do you share that same enthusiasm that they had for your faith in Jesus? Or has it become as old as, and dry and stale as an old crusty slice of bread? Well, they served God by sharing their faith, love, and hope. They were waiting for the return of Christ. Fortunately, he hasn't come back yet. Why is that a fortunate thing? Because we have the opportunity to share with more people and bring them into a faith relationship with Jesus. And we know then that they will have the opportunity to go to heaven and not to hell. When he comes back, he will judge the world. There won't be a second chance. Are you ready for him? Judgment is coming after he returns. And if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you will go to be with him in heaven. Not just for a few days, but forever. For eternity. And again, if you haven't made that decision to follow him, you will have condemned yourself and go to hell. But Jesus has rescued us from the wrath to come. When Jesus returns, will he find you busy serving to bring others into the kingdom like the Thessalonians were? A judgment is coming. Are you ready? How many are you helping to bring into the kingdom and be ready for Christ's return? Jesus is coming, and his reward is with him for those who have been faithful. Serve with joy while we wait for his return. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you that you're coming back. But Lord, there's so many people out there that we know that aren't ready for you. May we be found faithful, sharing that good news and bring them to an understanding of what is going to happen in the future. Thank you, Lord, that you are there for us. That you are our strength. That you are there for us and we can depend on you. 
Guide us as we struggle in our own walk sometimes. And may we confess our sins and be ready for you any time that the trumpet will sound and you will show up and take those who believe with you into your paradise forever. Amen.